Mental health problems and substance use disorders often reflect the conditions in which people live and work, which is why we need more of a collaboration across many areas to really deal with mental health in our society. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome. Cindy, I've noticed a significant increase in referrals to my office over the past few years, which makes me think that there might be an increase in need for psychological services. I've noticed that too. And I've noticed that there's more homelessness and crime which makes me think that there's more chronic mental illness and drug abuse and addiction too, or at least fewer services available for them. And that's what we're talking about today. We should start with a definition. Just to really make clear what we're concerned about. Mental health has to do with our thoughts, moods, and or behaviors. And problems with mental health can range from mild to severe. Any mental health issue especially a serious mental illness, interferes with a person's life and their ability to function. In other words, with their ability to work, sleep, eat, have healthy relationships, and enjoy their life. According to the National Institute on Mental Health, around 20% of adults live with a mental health diagnosis like anxiety or depression, or report experiencing emotional distress. That is about 50 million adults. That's a lot of people. And experiencing these mental health issues can have a big impact on every aspect of life. People with severe mental illness like schizophrenia, major depression, or bipolar disorder, which is about 4% of the population, have a lifespan that is an average of 25 years shorter than others. This is partly due to the fact that about a third to a half of the people living with a serious diagnosis don't receive consistent treatment. Over 60% of youth with major depression don't receive any mental health treatment. 60%? That is a scary high number. Even in states with the greatest access to mental health services, almost a third of the teens are going without treatment. We talked specifically about the rise in teen mental health issues in a podcast just a couple weeks ago, so this statistic is alarming. Yes, it is, Cindy. Thoughts of suicide, which we call suicidal ideation, is not a mental illness in and of itself, but it can be a symptom of a whole bunch of mental conditions. The national rate of suicidal ideation among adults has been increasing every year for at least the past decade. That is alarming in itself. Emotional distress and poorer mental health are also linked to social and economic factors. Almost half of U.S. adults who reported emotional distress also reported concerns about neighborhood safety, finances, even finding food. And it's quite a vicious cycle. Having a severe mental illness increases the likelihood of living in poverty, 
up to a quarter of homeless Americans are seriously mentally ill. Not surprisingly, white youth with depression are most likely to receive mental health care. Asian youth are least likely to receive it, which I guess could be about cultural stuff. Youth of color with depression, particularly Native American, multiracial, and Black youth, are most likely to receive mental health services at school. These teens are more often sent to school counselors and then disciplined, rather than being referred to dedicated mental health sites where mental health treatment is the specialization. I just hate that, Cindy. I hate that they're disciplined without mental health follow-up. It's just so negligent and wrong. They're seen as bad versus that they have a problem. Right. Both youth and adults with mental health conditions are 10 times more likely to be the victims of violent crime than the general public and much less likely to be perpetrators. Yet the criminalization of mental health in the United States has become the norm. At least one in five of all people in our prisons have a mental illness and 25 to 40% of mentally ill people will be incarcerated at some point in their lives. It's insane. More mentally ill people are sent to prison these days, partly because fewer mental health facilities are available. The closing of psychiatric hospitals and the focus on deinstitutionalization left nowhere for some people to go. And the hospitals that existed were often abusive and not nice places to be. And it's true that a lot of people can live their lives in a much healthier and productive way with medication and community support rather than being locked up in a dangerous facility. But a lot of other people who really need more support than just medication and community help, they were left behind to fend for themselves. And a lot of them end up either living on the street or in jails and prisons. Once the big hospitals closed, we expected treatment to be cheaper with fewer staff and fewer facilities. But again, some people need more support than others. They just do. So for a lot of them, long-term solutions are still needed, and there really aren't any anymore. Not even the bad ones, like being trapped in a horrible state hospital. We, as a people, seem to want psychiatric care to be relatively short-term and relatively cheap. So people who need ongoing support and can't get by on medication alone are sometimes seen as incurable and then undeserving of time and resources. Yeah, it's a crazy system that we have. Studies from countries around the world, including here, Germany and Switzerland, show that even when people experience severe mental illness and are institutionalized most of their lives, they can learn to live independently with good supports like decent housing, outpatient treatment, support networks, and jobs. And they need a lot of support with that. So when the goal is mainly to reduce costs, society sees long-term solutions and the people who need them as drains on the system instead of people who just need more care. Yes, I think our system resents them. And it's not just that they need more care, but they're the responsibility of a healthy society. We're supposed to take care of our citizens and residents no matter what they need. We should not leave them literally out in the cold. Literally. Part of the problem with getting the necessary treatment also has to do with the state of health coverage in our country. Even those lucky enough to have some form of health coverage 
often don't have enough or any mental health benefits. Yeah, the whole health system thing drives me crazy. I don't understand why health coverage is linked to jobs. That makes no sense to me. It's a mess. Yeah. The Affordable Care Act strengthened insurance coverage for mental health care, but it still doesn't cover enough for so many people who are struggling. And getting access to care, even if you have coverage, is also challenging for a lot of people. Problems with access to care might even be part of the reason the United States has one of the poorest mental health rates in the industrialized world, which we do. Wow. Deaths of despair, which are deaths from things like suicide, drug overdoses, and alcohol, have increased in recent years. In fact, the United States has some of the worst mental health-related outcomes, including the highest suicide rate and second highest drug-related death rate. The good news, because I keep trying to bring that in, <laughs> is that there are many tools, evidence-based treatments, and social support systems that really do help people with mental health conditions. Yeah, you just have to figure out how to access them and pay for them. Exactly. And when you can get it early and consistently, which often involves a combination of medication and psychotherapy, People with even serious mental illnesses can manage their conditions and lead meaningful, productive lives. The earlier the treatment begins, after the first signs of mental illness appear, the greater the likelihood of a better outcome. Along with schools, primary care doctors are often the first points of contact for someone needing mental health care. And they can also be part of longer-term management and solutions as well, if you're just dealing with mild anxiety or depression. Yes. When serious or more challenging mental health is involved, you probably want to consult a therapist and a psychiatrist if you're really struggling to manage mental health needs. Right. A lot of physicians offer anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication, but it's important not to stop there. Not all primary doctors are comfortable prescribing these medications. Less than half of the United States doctors report feeling prepared to handle mental health needs. And not everyone who experiences mental health symptoms goes to see a doctor. As a result of that, many psychiatric conditions can go undiagnosed. Which means the numbers are even higher than we said before. <laughs> exactly. Only about a third of US primary care practices have mental health professionals on their team. It's increasing, but it's really important that primary care deals with mental health. In places like the Netherlands and Sweden, mental health providers are an integrated part of primary care. They're part of about 90% of primary care practices. It seems so clear that that's needed. It does. So what should we do? Well, for one thing, we need to make mental health a priority. And that means we need to put money and other resources into caring for the people of this nation who are in need. Good point. To create healthier communities and better serve students of color, schools also need money to build the needed supports and infrastructure. And that's a great way to get to kids because they go to school. We can take lessons from some other countries that prioritize mental health by doing things like removing co-pays for prescription drugs for people with mental health conditions, or given that about one half of mental illness starts during teenage years, there are countries that offer free care for children and youth. We should do that. Yeah, I just think that's amazing. 
And it shouldn't be amazing. It should just be what we do. Right. One of the new initiatives here in the States is the 988 number for suicide prevention and mental health crises, basically 911 for mental health issues. It's being quietly rolled out since July 2022. States were mandated to initiate this hotline, 988, by mid-July, but it had a quiet rollout because a lot of the crisis hotline centers were concerned about a potential surge of calls that they aren't equipped to deal with. And then, of course, at least one state so far, Nevada, that I've heard of, is trying to make it a revenue stream by proposing to add 99 cents to cell phone charges to cover the cost. That is so obnoxious. Still, implementing 988 as the national three-digit suicide prevention and mental health crisis hotline, it's a good start. It's something, anyway. It is. In general, we have to look at mental health as an important indicator of society's well-being. Well, in that case, Cindy, we're in bad shape. Yes, we've been saying that. Mental health problems and substance use disorders often reflect the conditions in which people live and work, which is why we need more of a collaboration across many areas to really deal with mental health in our society. Agreed. One collaborative model for this is happening now in Philadelphia, where the University of Pennsylvania and the Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, CHOP, are launching a new multi-million dollar project to improve the health and well-being for people in certain Philadelphia neighborhoods. Yeah, the joint initiative called Deeply Rooted plans to bring green spaces with community environmental improvements, trees, improved housing and career training to bring a healthier base of living to children in neighborhoods with high rates of mental, emotional, and physical health issues. I like this idea. And this is the type of initiative we'd like to and need to see happening more and more in all sorts of places. There's so much need. Absolutely. More initiatives we need to see that expand care for people struggling with emotional and mental health issues of all kinds. So if you're interested in more information about mental illness or mental health treatment in the United States, check out the National Alliance on Mental Illness at NAMI, N-A-M-I, dot org. NAMI is the largest grassroots mental health organization with the stated goal of building better lives for the millions of Americans affected by mental illness. And there's a lot of useful information on their website. So many family members of people with serious mental illness issues join NAMI to find support from other families who are struggling with similar challenges and they offer support to each other. Check it out. Check that out and thanks for listening to us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time, take care.